Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word... Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, right? You can be angry. It's okay to be angry, but don't let anger get you to the point where you sin. And as much as it can sound cliche, just give it to God. Sometimes the best thing you can do is give it to God because if we pick it up ourselves, we're going to go get ourselves in trouble. And even though we're justified in our anger on the front end, once I go respond in anger and flesh, now I'm in trouble too. When someone does you wrong, it's easy to get all up in arms and take matters into your own hands. If someone cheats you, of course, you're going to want to make them pay. You've got to make an example out of anyone who crosses you the wrong way. In today's message, Pastor Bill teaches you about how King David was cheated by a man named Nabal, and David was about to handle things himself. As you'll learn, God intervenes before David goes and gets himself into too much trouble, though. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 25, as he continues his message, The Way of Escape. I don't know anybody here's ever worked hard for something and then got told to go home. I'm not going to pay you. Uh, we, had, we had some concrete work getting done at our house one time. And I learned as we were going, the guy that was doing the work was shady. He was doing, I mean, he was doing workers wrong. My wife would tell me, we had multiple times his workers. He had come in the morning, meet the workers, tell them what to do and then leave. And at the end of the day, his workers are knocking on our door saying, hey, you know where he's at? Can you give us something? Like they were waiting for their, their pay for the day. And he was supposed to be a Christian. So, you know, I, I had to get at him. I said, bro, you got to take care of these guys. Well, he did it to one guy. Guy worked all day long, hard work. And then he came up and wasn't going to pay the guy. I saw the talk. I seen that brother picked up a hammer. And I said, pay him. Pay him for you die in front of my house, man. Pay this man for his day laboring. And, and then you get paid. Don't work for him no more. You know, but it's an upsetting thing to have rendered the service. And then afterwards be told, not going to take care of you, not going not gonna to do what's required on my end. So would you guys agree that David's anger is justified, right? I believe that David's anger about what's happened is justified. He's rendered a service in good faith. Now he's being uh, he's been insulted. And David's the king. So he sent his men. Uh, it's an insult to have your people. They were disrespected on David's behalf and sent back to him. So David's not going to get paid. He's been disrespected. He is right to be angry. He's right to feel slighted and disrespected. But what should you do about something like this? Right. Somebody does you wrong, rips you off, doesn't pay you. Justifiably, you are angry. But what can we do about it? Pray. Leave it in God's hands. Seek the Lord for what exactly what you should do. So there's some things you could do, right? What are we tempted to do, though? Take it into our own hands. I just want to be real. I know y'all super saved tonight. But, but the other day, when it happens to you, you know, the temptation is going to be to take it into your own hands to do so. And that's what we want to avoid. So the Bible says in Ephesians chapter four, verse 26, it says, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. Right. You can be angry. It's OK to be angry, but don't let anger 
get you to the point where you sin. And as much as it can sound cliche, just give it to God. Sometimes the best thing you can do is give it to God, because if we pick it up ourselves, we're going to go get ourselves in trouble. And even though we're justified in our anger on the front end, once I go respond in anger and flesh, now I'm in trouble, too. Now your sin, then I let you make your sin lead me into sin. Now we both in trouble. And so as believers, we want to do better than that. Amen. Be angry. It's okay. God gets angry about some things, but don't let anger move you to sin. Don't let anger be your leader. We want to take our anger to the Lord. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. That means you got to deal with it. I may have to give it to God. I may have to say a prayer. I may have to get some counsel. I got to deal with my anger in a way that doesn't, uh, that's not sinful. And so look at now what it says, uh, how, how David, what his first inclination is. So verse 12, David's young men turned on their heels and went back and they came and told David all these words. Verse 13, then David said to his men, every man gird on his sword. Every man girded on his sword and David also girded on his sword. About 400 men went with David and 200 stayed with the supplies. So David said, hey, y'all, <laughs> click clack, you know, locked and loaded, 400, let's go, 200 stay with the stuff. We will be back with some grub, you know. And this is the natural thinking. Like David was like, I asked nicely. You disrespected me. Now I'm going to go and deal with this guy. Verse 14 Now, one of the young men told Abigail, Nabal's wife. So one of the young men who, uh, you know, one of the young men that was working for Nabal, when he heard how, you know, how Nabal had disrespected David, he went back and told Nabal's wife, Abigail. He went back to tell Abigail how Nabal had behaved toward David. Verse 14, one of the young men told Abigail, Nabal's wife, saying, Look, David sent messengers from the wilderness to greet our master and he reviled them. But the men were very good to us and we were not hurt, nor did we miss anything as long as we accompanied them. When we were in the fields, they were a wall to us both by night and day, all the time we were with them keeping the sheep. Now, therefore, know and consider what you will do for harm is determined against our master and all his household, for he is such a scoundrel that one cannot speak to him. So this is the testimony of this man, Nabal. This is one of his workers. He said, man, this guy is such a scoundrel. That word scoundrel, it's a son of Bilal or a worthless fool. Some translations say it that way. But this guy is saying this, this guy is you can't even talk to him. You can't go to him. This is a guy you you go to him with stuff and you can't get stuff done. You can't have a conversation. You might know somebody like that where it's like you you can't. I can't talk to them. You can talk sensibly, respectfully, kindly, humbly, and you just can't get it done in conversations with them. This guy says so he goes to his wife. Now, we're going to see Abigail step in and uh, I'm going to raise some questions as a wife. Is she right to do this? She's going to step in, do some things without telling her husband. Now, here's the thing. Why didn't this young man go to Nabal? Because you can't go to him because that's the character. Look, that's the character he has is you, you can't go. You can't reason with him. And so he went to the reasonable person he could get with. He went to Abigail. Now, some people get upset. How come you didn't tell me? How come you didn't talk to me? If you're like Nabal and you make it difficult for people to talk to you, 
and then wonder why don't nobody talk to you. I know that that happens. There's some people that are so difficult and argumentative and it's like, ah, I don't have the energy for you today. And then those same people are like, why didn't you come talk to me? <laughs> like, 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 like they would have been real. Like I would have heard you if you'd have come to me, you know? And that's this kind of guy that, that Nabal is. A very, very difficult person. Abigail's in a marriage with this difficult man. So verse 18, Abigail, uh, first two words. Abigail's going to do some wise things. First of all, she makes haste. Why is that wise? Because David is on his way with 400 of the homeboys and they bought the business. And so it needed to happen. Whatever she was going to do needed to be done quickly. Uh, so she made haste and the young man told her, hey, uh, he says, consider what you're going to do because harm is determined against us. this whole household is in trouble because of Nabal. So um, and they know David is a man of war. And so Abigail made haste. She took 200 loaves of bread Two skins of wine, five sheep already dressed, five saves of roasted grain, 100 clusters of raisins and 200 cakes of figs and loaded them on donkeys. Let me just say about her. First of all, this is an industrious woman, right? I don't know if, if the, it was a feast day, so I don't know if this was already cooking, but she came up with 200 loaves of bread, you know, quick. I have to wonder if this was already cooking and she said, hey, let me get in here real quick. And so and start getting this stuff. Here's what we know. Her ability to, to acquire all these things this quickly, it just confirms how wealthy they were. And what a shame it was that he didn't just willingly give this stuff up. Most folks can't just go home and say, give me 200 loaves. Give me, you know, just give me some wine. Give me just get, She got all that together, threw it on donkeys and was on her way to get to David before he got to them. And so she loaded up the donkeys with them. Verse 19. Then she said to her servants, go on before me. See, I am coming after you. But she did not tell her husband Nabal. Now, I drew an arrow in my Bible. So at the end of verse 17, where the guy says, for he is such a scoundrel that no one can speak to him. And then you come down to verse 19. But she did not tell her husband. I think there's a direct correlation. Why didn't she go to Nabal? She already know. You know, you already own one. You about to get us all killed here, fella. And so I'll deal with this and then we'll come back and talk to you now. So it was as she rode on the donkey that she went down under cover of the hill. And there were David and his men coming down toward her and she met them. Now, David had said, surely this David said to himself, surely in vain, I have protected all that this fellow has in the wilderness so that nothing was missed of all that belongs to him. And he has repaid me evil for good. We talked about that last week, right? The Bible says that you're not supposed to repay evil for good. And so verse 22, may God do so and more also to the enemies of David. If I leave one male of all who belong to him by morning light. So I'll throw this to Abigail. She's not just protecting Nabal. He's about to die. There's not going to be a man alive in that household come tomorrow. Servants, everybody was finna die uh, at, 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 because of him. And so I, I don't think she was wrong, right? When, when um, you got a guy living this wild, reckless, and foolish where everybody's life is in jeopardy. We're going to find out while David is on his way down, come kill them. Nabal is up there having a party. He's like, hey, he's, he's not even thinking about it. He is literally a fool. And so I think she's right in that she is, I'm going, she's going to right a wrong and pay this man what they owe him. Because hungry men out there that have worked all, we need to pay them for what they've done. So she's correct in that. Uh, we do see that she tells her husband. So it wasn't like she was doing this in secret. 
Uh, she just was right now. I'm not telling you right now because I think this is a unique situation. This is not the norm. This is life and death, right? This isn't like, you know, this isn't something about finances or this is life and death is hanging in the balance. Folks are going to die. Many lives are at stake. So arguably she is, you know, she's she's fighting to save some lives and she's fighting against the clock and a foolish husband. So um, I would say to the to any guy that would feel like she should have still asked, if you this stupid, <laughs> then you might negate some normals. You might negate, you might, you might miss out on some normal, you know, expectations. And so uh, I, I think I can say that about this fella, Nabal. So moving on. Now, when Abigail saw David, she dismounted quickly from the donkey, fell on her face before David and bowed down to the ground. Uh, one of the books I read on this suggested that uh, she went, she had the people, the stuff go before her, then she went and uh, the, the book was suggesting that there was not a man that could have stopped this. But the David would not have done to this woman what he might have done to a man. They was already on the war path. We finna kill every male of that house. So the first one that showed up might have got you've been first killed. But a lady came, humbled herself and yeah, and she fine. That didn't hurt. You know, so <laughs> fell down on her face to the ground and fell at his feet. And she said, on me, my Lord, on me. Let this iniquity be and let your maidservant speak in your ears and hear the words of your maidservant. So I'm going to tell you, I think she does some things correct and I do think she does some things wrong, you know, even though God works it out all for the good. So first of all, she comes. I think it was right that she is going to feed these men and she put all that food together to give them what they deserved. I think it's right that she's trying to intervene and save lives. Uh, I think it's right that she humbled herself before David and honored him as uh, for the person that he was. We'll see as she keeps talking that she knows exactly who David is. She knows his past and his presence. She knows where he's headed. And so here she said she takes the blame. She said, let it be on me. Right. Why? Because she knows that David won't do to her what he would have done to them. And so she said, well, first of all, let it be on me. And she's going to she's going to take the blame just to take the heat off, but then she's going to put it back where it belongs. So I want you to note that she's going to eat. She's taking the blame for a second. She can give it back to her dumb husband in just a moment. So she said, uh, please let your maidservant speak. She asked for permission to speak. She didn't just jump in there or, you know, take authority over the situation. Um, she asked for permission to speak, to ask David to hear the words of your maidservant. And then she begins verse 25. Please let not my Lord regard this scoundrel, Nabal. For as his name is, so is he. Nabal is his name and folly is with him. But I, your maidservant, did not see the young men, the young men of my Lord he sent. So now she puts it back on her husband. She says, hey, look, look, my husband is a fool. He's a scoundrel. As his name is, so is he. And if I had been home, I would have took care of you. I didn't see it. So now I'm here to make sure everything is right. Now, I don't know if she should have talked about her husband like that behind his back, though. It's true. Is he a scoundrel? Yes. Is he a fool? Yes. I'm going to just credit this to her account. Life and death is hanging in the balance. And she's like, let me. He already know my husband is a fool. He already heard from my husband's mouth. So I'm not telling him nothing he don't know. I'm going to just say this to you wives. Don't talk about your husbands behind their backs, even if it's true. And husbands, don't talk bad about your wives behind their backs. Even if it's true, because ain't none of y'all got life and death hanging in the balance. Some of y'all be just talking to talk. So 
I think that's questionable, but but she does that. And then she said, it says, uh, but I, your maidservant, did not see the young men of my Lord whom you sent. Verse 26. Now, therefore, my Lord, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, since the Lord has held you back from coming to bloodshed and from avenging yourself with your own hand. Now, then, let your enemies and those who seek harm from my Lord be as Nabal. She's almost speaking to David what she wants the outcome to be, right? She said, look, the Lord has kept you from bloodshed. He she don't know that he's committed to that yet, but she's speaking it over him. She said, look, 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 look. Now the Lord has stopped you from bloodshed, from take from avenging yourselves on your enemies. Now let the enemies and those who seek harm from my Lord be as Nabal. Now here it almost seems like she's wishing for his death. David's enemies die. So I don't know what the correlation is. If your enemies are going to be like Nabal, that's a, it's a question there what she is suggesting by that. Um, verse 27. And now this present which your maidservant has brought to my Lord, let it be given to the young men who follow my Lord. Please forgive the trespass of your maidservant. Again, she's saying, forgive me. Let this be on me. Put it to my account. Forgive me. Um, for the Lord will certainly make my Lord an enduring house because my Lord fights the battles of the Lord and evil is not found in you throughout your days. So uh, she's not buttering David up. She knows who David is. She said, David, man, you fight the Lord's battles. When she's calling David Lord, she's, it was a common language that day, how you would speak to the king, uh, to those in authority. And so she's acknowledging his authority. Um, she, she's saying, look, the, the Lord is certainly going to make for you an enduring house. She said, David, you, you're going to you're going to be here for a while. You know, you God has yet future plans for you and um, you fight the Lord's battle and evil is not found in you throughout your days. And so um, she's speaking to David. She knows who he is. This is how we know that also Nabal knew who he was, too. But he, he just disrespected him like that. Uh, verse twenty nine. Yet a man has risen to pursue you and seek your life. But the life of my Lord shall be bound in the bundle of, of the living with the Lord your God and the lives of your enemies. He shall sling out ash from the pocket of a sling. Why do you think she said that? She knew she knew about David and his sling. She said, she said David, you're, you're going to be bound up. You got enemies coming against you. You're going to be bound up in the safety of the Lord like a bundle. And your enemies are going to be flung out like a rock out of a sling. So I take this as she's speaking David's language and she knows about his background, his history and all of that. It says in verse 30, and it shall come to pass when the Lord has done for my Lord, according to the good that he has spoken concerning you and appointed you ruler over Israel, that this will be no grief to you, nor offense of heart to my Lord, either that you have shed blood without cause or that my Lord has avenged himself but when the Lord has dealt well with my Lord, then remember your maidservant. So she does some good and uh, some questionable, right? She says, look, God's got a plan for you yet future. You're going to be the king one day. We know it. You don't want this. You don't want to look back on this and, and think it's going to be a blemish on you that you, you shed innocent blood. The Lord stopped you from that today. You, you're not going to have blood on your hands, David, for this won't even be a thought to you later on when you become the king. 
And so she is she is giving David good. Re- this is actually good counsel. She's saying, look, think about you're going to be the king. You have a future in front of you. God has plans for your life. Don't do this thing right here that would leave a, a blemish on your name. That's good counsel. That's that's kind of counsel you want from a friend. If you were getting ready to do something dumb and your friends say, hey, reminding you of who you are in the Lord, reminding you, you got divine purpose on your life, reminding you that man, one day you're going to look back on this. You don't want to blemish like this on your on your account. Don't do that. That's a good friend. That's good counsel. And so she's giving good counsel now when she says to David, but when the Lord has dealt well with my Lord, then remember your maidservant. That's a question right there. She, she is married to a scoundrel. But she's telling another man, hey, hey, when you come into the kingdom, fella, remember your girl right here, you know. Um, now, we see that elsewhere in Scripture where people say, hey, remember me. It's, it usually is, is, is spoken in faith, right? The, the, there are times where, you know, the guy that was on the cross told Jesus, you know, when you come into your kingdom, remember me. It, it spoke about him. I recognize you're going to be, I recognize that you're the, the Lord. And when you come into your, remember me when you get there, right? Don't forget about who I'm. Remember to bless me when you get there. I think of Joseph and he said, hey, I, they, remember me. And they didn't remember him. I don't know why she wants him to remember her. This is the people say, well, did she like him? Was it flirting? I don't know. Now nah, I'm not going to go there. But she did say, remember me. And he's going to remember her in, in just a little bit. So, um, but at this point, you know, she has given really good counsel to David and stopped him from killing her wicked husband. Because here, here's, here's what she could have done. If she just wanted to be done with her husband, she could have said, let me just go hide out and uh, I'll wake up tomorrow. Won't be no men around here. You know, so she didn't let that happen. That She preserved a lot of lives in this act. Um, and she asked to be remembered uh, by David. Now, verse 32 then David said to Abigail, blessed is the Lord God of Israel who sent you this day to meet me. And so in this moment right here, we're going to see that David is going to heed her words. God knew what to use. God knew how to help David out. In this case, God used a beautiful woman to come and stop him. And David said, OK, you know, everybody here know what you got a soft spot for. If I'm on a terror and some old lady, older elderly lady comes, I'm going to just stop it. I've, I've been that way since I was a child. So if somebody mom come out or someone grandma's like, stop, don't you don't act up. That's how my mom raised me. You don't act up in front of women. You don't scare the you know, elderly women. So if you if you behaving in such a way that you're going to create fear or terror, you don't do that in front of ladies. And so I don't know for David, if this is what needed to be, God sent him what was necessary uh, this message got across. Now, in the New Testament, everybody write down 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, it says, For no temptation has overtaken you except that which is common. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Something the enemy will not remind you of is that I'm never in a must sin situation. God says, I make a way of escape. I never allow, I may allow you to be tested, but I never allow it to be so much that you can't bear it. And I make a way of escape. There's a way out. And so we have to be looking for it, right? Sometimes the way out is a a soft answer. Let me exit this bad situation with a, a humble, soft answer and go on about my way and pray for God to get my emotions together. There's a way out. 
if you want it, if you're looking for it. In this situation here, God provided for David a way of escape through Abigail. David was on his way to, and this would have blemished David, right? David was on his way to shed innocent blood. David makes this mistake later, but he was on his way to do it right now. And this woman stopped him, gave them food, paid him, and gave her spiel, and it stopped David in his track, stopped him from the harm that he had intended to do. You've just heard a transforming word brought to you by Pastor Bill Buffington. First Samuel is where we've been reading, and there's so much to take away from this book. Did you realize that many of the Psalms were written during the time that these events were happening? For much of this book, David was running from Saul. Wouldn't it be strange to be an arch enemy of your best friend's dad? Even though you didn't do anything deserving of death, you feel like a fugitive. And somehow, you found yourself in this situation where you're running for your life. This was much of David's existence in the book of 1 Samuel. He was doing great things, but King Saul was jealous of him and felt threatened by him. So he wanted to remove David completely from the upcoming kingship of Israel. Do you feel like you're on the run, undeserving of the circumstances you're in? Or are you on the other side, feeling jealous and insecure about another person, looking for their downfall? In either case, these two men needed God's help. One chose to rely on God, and the other turned away. Which direction will you choose? If you like the message you just heard, we're so glad. You'll find more solid teachings like this one from Pastor Bill Buffington at calvaryinglewood.org. Will you prayerfully consider spreading the good news with us? If this interests you, you can find the Give tab on our website. Don't forget, that's calvaryinglewood.org. This ministry is an outpouring of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Thanks for listening today to A Transforming Word.